we'd love for you to bring your Bibles to church, and we also have it on the screen. And today we'll be going verse by verse through the story of Jonah, and I invite you to think of the same thing as you hear this word, because what we see not only in Jonah, but in this passage here this morning, is we see a picture of God's love. We see God's DNA shown forth in Jesus Christ. So hear this word that comes from Luke chapter 7, starting with the 11th verse. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out and said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the briar they were carrying him on, and bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to us to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Heavenly Father, as we're ready to be seated, I pray that you may open our hearts to your word that in some way, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would be able to grasp how deep, how wide is your love for us. Oh Lord, we can't even respond to your love without receiving your love. So Lord, we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, this moment, that you would allow us to grasp and receive your love expressed in Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Congregation, please be seated. Well, the sermon that I'd like to share with you today is titled, Love DNA. And it's all about love. So what is DNA? Well, we know DNA is this hereditary material in humans and almost all organisms Nearly every cell in a person's body has the same DNA. Imagine what that's like. I mean, everything about each one of you is so unique. God has stitched you, knit you in a very unique way that there is no two use. It's beautiful. And we see this special DNA that's not only in you, but what would be the DNA of God? What would that look like here? First of all, it's interesting how DNA has been so incredibly helpful in our world. We have um, someone in our congregation that works a lot with DNA. You probably have met him, and his name is Rod, and he was part of our congregation. And nowadays, they use DNA used to solve cold cases, things that have been unsolved for years and years and years and they can go in and 
blood or any type of tissue or anything. They could find a trace of the DNA and track it. So the breakthrough of DNA technology has been key of solving decades worth of unsolved true crime murders. And then using this genetic genealogy, many frozen cases have thawed and become solved. What I'd like to share with you today about DNA is that God has a kind of DNA as well. Just as human DNA is found in virtually every cell of the human body, God's DNA can be found too. And so I'd like to share with you an acrostic. It's just simple, but God's DNA, D, divine, N, natural, A, attribute. God's DNA, divine, natural attribute of God is this. And one of those attributes that is divine and natural and an attribute of who God is, is love. Amen? Now, this divine, natural attribute of God, which is love, is found in scriptures in so many places. But one thing I'd like to share with you first is this question. How can love be measured? We talked about how it was measured on the cross. Love is not measured by how much you give. Love is not measured by how much you serve. It is, not, it is not measured how much you do. But isn't our world focused on that? We focus on that definition of how love is measured. And it's not measured by how much you give or how much you serve or how much you do. Love, love is measured by the height and the width and the depth of God's love to us we see that on the cross for sure, as well as the resurrection. The DNA of love is found not in a principle, but is found in a person. It is found in Jesus Christ. The Bible says this about the DNA of love according to 1 John. It's in places all over through Scripture, so you can see the DNA of love that's found in God. Listen to this in 1 John 3.16. We probably know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Listen to this from 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us on the cross. 1 John 4, 7 through 10, listen to what this says, defining the DNA of love which is found in God. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is what? love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. So today, love DNA, what does love look like? And so I'd like to take you through Jonah. Love it. So turn with me, and if we could get Jonah back on the screen there. Jonah chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, take it out. We'll go verse by verse. What I want to share with you, as well as the, the New Testament, which I won't capture today, is what love looks like, and it all comes from God. So go to Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and we see what this word says. 
Verse 1, it says, then, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Verse 1. Did the word of the Lord come to him another time? I find this to be very good news. Have you ever received the word of the Lord and it just, you just didn't get it? Happens to me all the time. You receive the word of the Lord, you hear it so very, very clear, but you just didn't get it. You didn't receive it. You heard it, but it just didn't sink in. Same happened to Jonah. He heard it the first time, and now he's getting to hear it the second time. And we have a God of a God of second chances. He keeps on sharing his word. Sometimes it falls on rocky soil. Sometimes it falls on other types of soils where we just can't hear it. I pray that your heart would be opened to hear it a second time or a third time or a fourth time, and that's grace. God doesn't just share his word once, and that's it. He shares it over and over again, and I found that this is so good for us. Jonah, well, he often gets a bad rub, doesn't he? Because we think he heard it once and he didn't receive it. It took him to round two to get it. So my question is, how many rounds is it going to take for us to get it? I can't tell you how many times for us to think that we can earn God's favor. We say this, oh, I'm not sure if I, can, if I deserve God's his favor. And we say to ourselves, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. I'm not ready yet. I'm not good enough. And what I can say to you, just like Jonah, get used to that because you are not worthy. You are not good enough. And there's nothing that you can do to deserve God's love. You know how I often, I'll, I'll hear this most of the time with people that are considering their mortality and they're thinking that they're going to die pretty soon. And you know what they say to me? Pastor Dave, I just, I'm not ready to die. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I haven't done enough for God. I'm not worthy. And what I need to say to them in a gentle way said, I'm not worthy either. And we have a God that shows forth his love to us that even though we're unworthy, he's come to save us and love us. And so today, just in verse one, it says, then the Lord of the Lord came, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I pray today would be the day of salvation that you can receive his word just as it is, to receive it, to hear it, to believe it, and to trust it. Verse two, the Lord said to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. I've always been wondering why preachers and theologians and churches and doctrines could make the message about God's love so complicated. God's message to us is not complicated. It truly is direct and simple. Let's not overcomplicate it. God loves you. He sent his son to save you from the mess you're in. What am, what's the mess? You're covered in it. It's called sin, and you can't come into God's presence with it all over you. Don't go to the shower. It won't work. In fact, there is nothing you can do to remove it, but God can. God came to remove the sin and bring us back to him. It took his son's death 
on the cross to remove the stain of sin and penalty of sin and bring us back to God. And according to Scripture, according to what Jesus has said to us, all we need to do is believe in what He has done for us. That's love. So in verse 2, it says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give to you. What's the message of love? Jesus. He's come to suffer, die, and rise for us and for us to receive this simple message. Verse 3, Jonah, what did he do this time? It says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. Finally, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to even go through it. So Jonah finally obeyed the word of the Lord. What is something, and I'm not going to have you share it, just think in your heart. What is something, according to God's word, that you have been slow to obey? You know what God's word says. You know it's truth, but you just don't want to hear it. What have you been slow to obey according to God's word? Convicting, right? I'm assuming right now you're thinking through, oh, I I don't like this part. Oh, I really don't like what God said here. And we've been slow to obey. Same with Jonah. He was very slow to obey the word of the Lord. The main reason is, He didn't love the Ninevites. Is there people that you don't love? Is there people that you really don't care for right now? Are there people that right now you're having a really hard time forgiving and loving and showing mercy to right now? You're waiting for them to grovel on the ground right now before you because you're holy and they're not. And they have steps one, two, and three. And if they don't go through steps one, two, and three, well, that's too bad. They're not righteous. And I am. And I got it wrong. I got it right. And you got it wrong. And Jonah didn't want to go any further because he knew the nature of God. That God is compassionate. That God is forgiving. And he didn't want to hear any of it. Verse 4, Jonah then began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, here's his word. Listen to this word. Shortest sermon ever. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Is that eight words? Well, you could count. Shortest sermon ever. And he was being, beginning to go a day's journey in the city saying this. How long does we find out in the story? How long does it take him to get through the city? How many days? Three days. And so he says this. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. You see, God's word for us to share is not supposed to be complicated either. Preachers, like myself, don't make it difficult. And it has nothing to do with your brilliance or your eloquence in what you say. Isn't that what we normally say? Well, I'm not eloquent. 
I'm not brilliant. I can't share it very well. What am I going to say? And we get ourselves off the hook. It says just preach the word. It's enough. It's more than enough. For people that are preparing to become pastors, for those that are going to seminary right now, those that want to be future leaders, one of the things we hear over and over again is, I'm not eloquent enough. I don't know enough. I can't speak very well in public, whatever it might be. And what's so important here is this, is God's Word is enough. It's His Word. It's not the eloquence of it. That gets pastors in trouble every time anyway. Have you seen the downfall of pastors in churches where they become a personality cult and the focus is no longer on God's Word, it's rather on them as a person, not on His Word. Or they might say, someone that's preaching will say, you know what, I just don't, I'm not saying it with gusto. I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it with all my heart. Well, we're not always going to be able to say God's word in just the right way, but just speak it to say the truth. His word is more powerful. It's not about you. I have to, so when I read this, it's a great word. God gave Jonah the word. And God said, I want you to say this. Don't worry about how you feel or how uncomfortable you are or unconfident you are. Just preach the word because it doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with God's power. It doesn't have to do with what you think. It has to do with God's truth. Amen? I love that word. And so Jonah preached what God wanted him to preach. The results were up to God and the Ninevites, not Jonah. I find that is a great relief. Just preach the word. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And Paul says, of which I am the worst. Jesus Christ has came to save you. Receive it in Jesus Christ this day. Verse 5 through 8 is an interesting response. The Ninevites believed God. Can you believe it? Eight-word sermon. It wasn't about Jonah. It wasn't his eloquent words. It was all the Holy Spirit. Do you think we need to have that in the church? It's the Holy Spirit that does it. Just be obedient and speak the word of the Lord. And it says, the word says, a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Well, that's beautiful. When Jonah's warnings reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation, the proclamation he's, he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and the nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. 
So what happened? Jonah preached the word and the people heard it, responded and repented. It truly was a God thing, not a human thing. It was a story of utter repentance. The whole city repented. Imagine if our city, imagine if our country repented. Remember what God's word said in 2 Chronicles 7.14? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. People of God, as you're coming up to for communion today, what do you need to bring to the Lord right now and repent of? You know there might be some things right now that you know that are wretched, they're dirty, they're not of God, and you're not repenting. Repent before the Lord. Let him cleanse you. Otherwise, we're just like Jonah. Jonah preached a word that he didn't want to believe, but he preached it. Verse 9, the people of Nineveh says, Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn his fierce anger so that we'll not perish. The ruler and the people of Nineveh knew something about God's love and compassion. They heard it and they wondered about it. They heard about this people of Israel, of this wonderful, compassionate, loving God, but they haven't heard it. They haven't seen it firsthand. And now they got to hear it firsthand. Listen to what happens, verse 10. When God saw that what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God's mercy, God's love. Do you think we need some work on that? Amen. Now listen to the great response, because I love Jonah in this point. And so what happens to Jonah but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Is there things about God's love that you think are very wrong? I want him to just grovel in the dust for a while. I want him to see how so wrong he is so he could be groveling here before me. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry and he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said you would do? This is the reason I didn't want to go to Nineveh because I knew that you're compassionate and loving, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I knew this about your DNA, God. I knew about your divine, natural attributes of your love and I don't like it. Except if it's for me. But if it's for someone else, fooey. So today... You hear about this DNA of God. You hear in the gospel too when God came in flesh and he preached and he taught and he went and he, he healed the centurion's servant. And then he went 25 miles with a whole throng of people. And he came to a place called Nain. And as this whole throng of joy-filled people came along, they were met with a whole throng of mourning people. Not mourning people like they like mornings. They were mourning because of the death of this widow's son. And they, the clash of joy and mourning and Jesus leading them and touched the carrier of this dead son. And, and Jesus came and showed his love and compassion. 
Do you think we're meeting this clash in our society? We are this joy-filled procession that proclaims Christ met on with grief and pain and despair. And what a message we have. May we take up the DNA of God's love. And if we're not there, may we come to the altar today in Holy Communion and ask God to forgive us and renew us so that we may live with one another and this world in the same way our God came to us. Love. Amen.